0: Alright, fellow fact checkers, we've got a brand new sponsor and I am excited to promote this product. It's Fox & Sons Coffee. Now, Fox & Sons Coffee is a family-owned and operated small business selling whole bean, organically roasted, amazingly good coffee. On their website, Steve, the company's founder, describes how his love of coffee started with special Saturdays with his dad when he was growing up. Steve wants to share his love of coffee with you and the entrepreneurial spirit with his sons. Check out the website, foxinsons.com and take a look at their best offer. A monthly subscription for three bags of coffee with free shipping for $38.89. Also, Steve's been on the show. He's a friend of the show. He follows us on the morning after as well as here on Fact Check This Podcast. Steve is a great dude, great company to support. So go check out Fox & Sons Coffee and get your morning started off right with a bag of delicious Fox & Sons Coffee. Let's start the show.
1: then it's time for round two of Blake Masters got Jason back with me and this time I've got Tommy from year zero and there is an off chance that Matt will be rejoining us uh, that's to be determined but there's still a still a shot that Matt will be with us as well tonight. uh Tommy has not been on my show before. I've been on your show, but uh regrettably I haven't had you on mine so Tommy, go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell people where they can find you and all the stuff you got going on. And then we'll let Jason uh, redo his spiel and we'll take off with the conversation.
2: I I can't believe I haven't been on your show before. As much as as we've talked, I'm just like, are you sure? (laughs) It seems like I've been here before. Um, Yeah. Tommy Salmons. I'm the host of Year Zero at the Libertarian Institute. So you go libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero forward slash. And that's where you'll find, uh, all the podcasts. Um, and then I have a Substack, stack, Tommy Salmons.com. Thanks, uh, to, uh, to great listener for buying that for me because I never would have thought about doing that. And, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I do. Um, other than drive a truck. I was, I was the original truck driving podcaster. Because So, so
3: up yours, read up yours, <laughs> but Jason? Uh, my name is Jason Marichuk. I'm the uh, co host, creator, blah, 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 of the 2Bit podcast. Uh, we do a weekly show every Tuesday at around 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with my co host, Mark, where it's two old friends talking about things and stuff. Uh, we've now started doing uh, intermittent little 15 minute shorts. They'll just pop up on YouTube. Uh, we're basically on YouTube. We're um, in other places too, but mostly on YouTube. Cause you know, why not? <laughs> why not? Why not build something that, you know, will be destroyed by the flick of a finger. It's, it's, it's fun. It's it's like playing with fire. Um, other than that, we also have friend or fed an ongoing series, uh, which is round table, uh, which pisses off pretty much everybody, uh, which is fun. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at. I'm a Canadian living in Australia. So time zones are a constant hassle and a bitch. Other than that, I'm happy to be here. <laughs>
1: I live right on the uh, eastern and central time zone. We we technically live in eastern time by like a mile and a half. But then we also, we, we both work in central time. So I just live in central time all the time. But my wife, for some reason, lives in eastern time. So when I told her that we were doing a, a show tonight at 7, she said, it's already 7. I said, no, 7 my time she's like our time is the same time we both live in the same house like, yeah but you live on the wrong t- you live in the wrong time zone so.
3: yeah i live in constant doubt because you know with, my, with mark he's in eastern center time i'm 12 hours ahead of eastern center time but i'm 13 ahead of hours ahead of central and, and what is let's just get to the conversation let's not do math but just like, i'm i've been in a constant state of like time dread before any of these things I'm like is this the right time i don't know like i have to go check the graph and <laughs> do like moon cycles and shit uh just make sure i'm not like late but yeah
2: it was the worst yeah. thing about driving over the road was trying to keep up with time zones but he's like you got to deliver it uh 7 a.m you know eastern time and and your everything you have is scheduled on is on central so you get there an hour late
3: and you're like <laughs> I'm an hour early to hoarding my watch.
1: <laughs> All right, so we are doing a follow up on Blake Masters. Last time we had talked about the Salon and New York Times hit pieces that have been run on Masters. The more I look at those and read them, even since we've had that conversation, the more they just convince me that Masters is like a good, solid candidate. But it's also fitting, and I, I think we should point out for the handful who actually keep up with libertarian uh, bullshittery. We had planned and scheduled this conversation well before Dave Smith came out and said that he supports Blake Masters. Uh, so so for some context and background on that, there is a candidate in Arizona who is running against Masters, and apparently he's a good dude, but uh, somehow he ended up on a debate stage talking about age of consent laws. and. Uh-huh. Of course, because yeah, no, no good libertarian candidate can avoid talking about that conversation or uh, talking about that topic. And so anyway, he brings up age of consent laws, and and Dave Smith said like this is not this is not good. Don't do this. That's not the way. And then that turned into a big firestorm. And he also said that he he supports Blake Masters. So here it is. Uh, I support Masters. Also, let's not pretend Republicans don't have a lot of work to do. Uh, and this was in response to uh, somebody was making a criticism of the Mises caucus because Dave Smith had uh, criticized oh, this
3: guy. Yeah,
1: yeah this so could, we're all on the yeah, same yeah. page don't with play, this.
2: Play it. Play it. It's oh, horrible. Play it. God. Right. I'm just wondering for if this vote. Will Chamberlain example, guy... who should represent the good people of the state of Arizona that should be up for a vote what should the age of consent be this is something that reasonable minds disagree on that should be up for a vote be up for oh. wow. I know some reasonable parents that will shoot you Yeah.
1: why why did they always have to bring up age of consent.
2: I'm just wondering if this Will Chamberlain guy is, is really concerned about uh, age of consent laws because he's ran out of women of age to fuck.
3: Well, you know, it's so always those Will, things,
2: Will, right? Will, 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 the still, you know?
3: <laughs> it's always, a, it's, it's like, you know, when you hear about some uh, a guy coming out as a, as a male feminist, and you're like, there's a hey, Justin. I think
2: you're being shot at.
3: No, that's me. Oh. There's doors in the house. Um. <laughs>
2: Well, he's, a, duck. he's the only one that lives anywhere that guns are allowed, other than me.
3: <laughs> this is true. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's like the countdown when you hear someone come out as a male feminist. You're like there's a countdown until you get the sexual assault allegations coming out of the woodwork. Same thing. Like when, they, when anyone starts talking about anything about age of consent, you're like, oh, okay, so you diddle kids. Like we're, we're just waiting until we find out that you diddle kids. Oh, um, so
1: the. The politician, I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head. Um, apparently, he is a he's a lawyer in Arizona, and he like has represented people who lost their jobs because of COVID, and like he's done some really good work, like on the legal side of things. And like he's he is a very good dude, but then at the same time, like he's running for uh, Senate, and yeah, Mark something or other. He's he's running for Senate and of course he gets on a debate stage and brings up the damn age of consent shit and does the, the cringy libertarian thing. But so uh though Tho was very uh Tho Bishop defended him but also was like, Yeah, this is like terrible. Why why would why do libertarians have to insist on doing this whenever they get on a get on a stage? It's like like whenever they make the argument that um that the debates are unfair because they don't let <coughs> libertarians on the stage. It's like they're doing you a favor. They just just take the win. Don't yeah. don't get on the stage and fuck it up any more than.
2: It well, it, I I made a comment in the Discord because this came up in in my Discord today. Uh, this this conversation, and I said uh, the tone deafness of arguing age of consent is why no one takes the LP seriously. The least they could do after their takeover is to weed out the fucktards that can't reader a room well, right
3: don't, we like,
2: don't we don't live in a period where age of consent is is in the question actually the what's what's in question at this point in time is what is the appropriate age to start talking to children about sex without their parents knowledge right and so I don't think age of consent is where we should be focusing our time we maybe should be focusing our time on saying hey um, pedo teachers can't talk to five-year-olds about sex. How about that?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like throwing.
2: <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what uh, the the good thing about all this, though, is that you can't then you're not going to say that the libertarians are stealing votes from the Republicans in this one because it's like, well, this gives masters a pretty easy go. Like masters can get on the stage and go, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like look at my platform, <laughs> which yeah. is well, as said against his- all of that.
1: As Dave said in his tweet, like this guy didn't have Mises backing, he went outside of the he went outside of the party to to get his signatures to get on the ballot and stuff like that. So like he's uh, he's kind of doing his own thing. Uh,
3: then so what it, good is a Mises caucus? Like what what good is it then?
1: Well, I mean that's like Hector uh, Trey making his comment that Hector should should debate Desantis. Oh. They, my whole argument was,
3: I mean,
2: um, I don't, I don't have any desire to watch a murder in real time. So no, please let's not do that. I, personally, I don't think, um, I don't think Hector
1: and his supporters did all that good against me and Magoo when we debated them on whether or not he should run. Like if you can't, if you can't stand up against a couple redneck midwits, like you definitely aren't going to stand a chance on a debate stage with. I tr- I tried insane.
2: to watch that dude. I just I I did. I tried. I just, I was just like this guy. The, the problem is here. Here's the problem that that libertarian, like the libertarian party, faces. And I have nothing against the libertarian party. I mean, like Scott Horton's one of my best friends in the world. You know, and he's all about like supporting these guys, right? Um, the problem the problem is that, like I said, they're toned up. Like they're they're not, they're not gatekeeping. They're not making sure that the candidates that are being run have some awareness as to how to communicate with the audience, right? I mean, if you had, let's say just for instance, you had like Tom Woods running for Senate in Arizona, you'd never hear no stupid shit like that, you know? He, 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 would, he would draw a line and say, okay, I agree with Masters on all this stuff, but I disagree with him on this stuff. And then you could have a debate about those things, and and the the people that really understand how to present arguments would would do things that way. But the the people that end up running for office in the Libertarian Party, it's like they attract people that either don't want power, or the people that do want power are are total idiots and and say some of the most absurd shit and it's like y'all need to start gatekeeping better in like electing those that don't want the power right you want to get the ron paul types up there that can make the arguments and 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 they're ineffectual at doing that at this point in time it doesn't mean they are never going to be able to run decent candidates you know how much better the world would be If the two major parties in in the United States was the Libertarian Party and the Republican Party, they would be a so such a better world. I want to live in that world. Right. But that's that's not the reality. You're you're going to have to displace the Democrats in some way, shape or form. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is by having actual arguments and not catering to the left, because a lot of the people, a lot of independents especially, are leaving the Democrats behind and turning to the Republicans. Because of the absurd things that the Democrats are saying, so it's like, don't say more absurd shit than the Democrats. Like, can we at least make that a rule?
3: I mean, I think this speaks into, and I'm thinking of a way to bring this to masters. I think the, the advantage masters, the, the advantage the left always has had up to this point is they have vision. Right? Even just the word progress, progressive or progression is a powerful, uh, a positive word. They don't have to define it. They can just say, we're moving towards the future, and the future is going to be bright and beautiful, right? Um, that, even in the most hazy bullshit language, gives them a purpose. gives them, like, that's a way to mobilize people and get votes and get power. Whereas the right, for a long time, is what's what's the vision? Like, not that. <laughs> like, not progressive. Like, to put the brakes on things, which I think is needed right now because things have gotten so bad. Um, the issue I have a lot of times with, with some of these guys running you know, against DeSantis or against Masters is that, okay, unless you have a better vision, like a really clearly better vision than Masters, which you know, you know, either you do or you don't, but let's say in your head you really do, then fine, run against him. But I don't think he does, right, in this case. Uh, or the guy in Florida doesn't have a better vision for Florida or for the country than DeSantis does. Mm-hmm. So well, and then the they come now.
1: back to their argument that, we're a political party, so that's what we do is run candidates. Except for that, um, this guy had to go outside of his party to get his ballot signatures to get on the ballot to to run against Masters. Hector <coughs> did that completely outside of the Libertarian Party of Florida. Like that was he did that completely independent of that. It's like okay, you can't make the argument that we're a political party and this is what we do is run candidates when the political party itself is not the one running the candidate. Like in fact, well, this- as party, if you were a strong party, like if if a if a Republican or a Democrat tried to do that the Republican or Democrat party would step in and shut that down. <clears throat> like they wouldn't let them do something embarrassing to the party in that type of a manner. So like if if it a- is actually about the party and you are a party that's serious about running candidates and stuff, then you would step in and you would quash these bad candidates when they try to run. Or you would quash the candidates that are running in bad positions like against Masters and against DeSantis. Because clearly the alternative to DeSantis or to Masters, is way worse and it's not the libertarian candidate it's the democrat who is a complete shitbag
3: right yeah and i, I think that's I, it, it's like there's a, you have a lot of people who just want to win and this has been a big problem in the political process in the west all over the place it's like people want to win and once they win that's the only incentive and it's like well they don't have a vision for the country they don't have a way to make it better they just well, want to set, win set like, well if i win our things just
2: get better hmm? if you want to win set forward a winning argument like that's the thing is that people like us like especially you justin and and I know you're past Jason, you were never like really libertarian but but Justin and I both come from the libertarian camp. I still operate at the libertarian Institute because those I, everything that's done at the institute, I completely agree with right I believe in those guys I mean I a hundred percent all the time agree with you know an article that's written there might be like some little you know niche in there that i disagree with but those are my people like i love those guys like they you you're not going to be able to convince me that those guys aren't on the right track they they understand what's going on the problem is like the the it's the candidates that are attracted to this because like we were attracted to libertarianism because it was a better philosophy it it, it like just purely Philosophically, in theory, it is better than anything else that's drawn out. Sorry, and so you're like, okay, this is a better philosophy. Then why can't you find people that can argue that philosophy in, in pragmatic terms that can run for office? Right? It, it, it makes you think. Like I believe, like well, I can't even say I completely believe, but it at least, at least makes me like pause and go: Are people saying stupid shit like this? Just like, are they are they feds? Right. But it's like, you know, we we have a friend or fed episode about this guy, you know, because it's like you're just you're you're coming in and you're just throwing the game.
1: Well, I but- mean, think about the people that that are most well known by just like average, like normie Americans who aren't into uh, politics and don't don't like. Don't get deep into third-party politics and stuff like that. Like I could tell you way too much about the Constitution Party and the Green Party and the Libertarian Party and and a couple other like little small niche parties that that disrupt elections in different places for different reasons. Like, because I'm into that kind of stuff. But like the average just normie American, they don't know shit about the Libertarian Party, other than they know that there is some homeless dude with a boot on his head and some fat guy that runs naked across the stage. Like,
2: right. That's correct. These are the these was are the. He the guy who, was he the guy who ran across the uh, subway? naked the other day is this the same guy i'm just <laughs> curious <laughs> probably, probably. And on
3: the, i'll be on the record for saying that i uh i supported vermin supreme uh at least on twitter i was like this is this is good because <laughs> it's, it's a disruption and i was like fuck it let the circus go right? and that's and, I, I get
1: this yeah, i get right. the vermin supreme shtick like that's Yeah, it is a
2: shtick, though. And that's what I'm saying. You're not, if you want to be taken seriously as a party, you got to lay out like winning arguments. And we, when you're reading like Rothbard and you're reading Hoppe and you're reading Mises and you're reading these things, you go to the Mises Institute you're listening to the lectures that are being laid out in front of you. Like, you can't argue against these things. You're like, okay, like this makes sense. But then you see the people that take stage under this banner and you're like, what do what you have having? Like, what does this guy talking age of consent have in, like, in common with Jeff Dyst? I want to see Jeff Dyst up there. I don't want to see this dude up there. You know what I'm saying? Well, and that's, that's
1: where it kind of comes back to Masters because Masters is kind of of the, uh, as you were saying before we got started when we were, we were chatting, like Masters is of the Mises Institute. Uh, like Right he comes from that kind of a background he he had a very he had a very libertarian blog that he did when he was in college in uh, like 2006 or so 2008 somewhere in in that uh neighborhood and like wrote about open borders and stuff like that and and as tends to happen as you get older you get more conservative and he started to look at the things that are going on in the country and so so what you get is He is bringing those libertarian ideas and principles and and a lot of that background to running in a Republican position, because that's where he's going to have the most influence. And that's where he's bringing the winning arguments is is to that to that spot. Mm. And we've seen
2: seen some success with this, like whether it's Thomas Massey or um, Rand Paul, who's the guy in Michigan that dropped out. Oh uh,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. I'm Justin Amash.
2: Yeah, Amash. <laughs> like we've seen in the Republican Party, there be a little bit of that.
3: That wasn't Ted that. Cruz. Wasn't Ted Cruz sort of semi-libertarian as well, or at least Ted? Uh, I would um, say Ted Cruz. Hat towards it, I'd say Ted Cruz is a constitutionalist. Like
2: that would that. I mean, this guy had the Constitution memorized by the time he was 13 years old. Like he's he's a very much an advocate of originalism. So, so like the Supreme Court justices you see, um, would be right along Ted Cruz's line, you know, of thought, which I mean, it's better than progressivism. So, it's like yeah, I think <laughs> Ted
1: Cruz was originally one of the Tea Party guys, and he's and he was very much a constitutional purist, Constitution mm-hmm. Party type. And, uh, like, I guess he's. He's not as great as he was at one time. I'm sure Washington makes you squishy over time, but he he's still like in on the list of senators and, and people in Congress, uh, he's still better than average for sure.
2: Trump Trump broke Ted Cruz. Like Ted Cruz was actually pretty fire um prior to running against Donald Trump. And when Donald Trump Donald Trump came Your out. His dad was
3: a Zodiac killer.
2: <laughs> well, no, he, he insulted his wife. Like, the whole dad was a Zodiac killer. It was That was just funny. That was, like, I don't think anybody took that really seriously. Uh, but when he came out and he insulted Ted Cruz's wife, and then Ted Cruz turned around, like, a month later and endorsed Donald Trump, it was kind of like, hey. yeah, I can't respect that. Like, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I, I don't respect that. Like, I'd be like, there's no way I'd ever endorse that guy. He insulted my wife. If anything, the only thing I endorse is him meeting me outside. You know, I mean
3: it would depend on how sick the burn was. I'd be like
2: I oh. uh, he was I mean, he was calling his he, he basically he basically said she looked like she had Down syndrome or something like that. It was some it was crazy. it was like and he he was he was going hard after Ted Cruz's wife, like talking about her looks and, and how she was ugly and it was just I was like, no, dude, like, you can't endorse a man after he said that about your wife in in front of the entire country. It's almost as bad as being
1: called a racist and then three months later asking that person to be your vice president.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It was a debate. It was a debate. Oh, man. Okay, so let's let's okay. So let's figure out how this all works with Masters and (laughs) Theo, and uh, because you have you you have the big big three uh, Theo candidates, right? It's Masters, it's uh, and what's the third one? What's the third guy I always forget? Mark uh, Mark Gates, right? Gates Matt Gates Gates Yeah, Yeah. um, and they're I find they're very three very interesting uh, figures because individually they kind of cover a lot of different spaces. Right, Masters is very kind of hard nosed, ultra conservative. Uh, you know, the fascist label is easily applied to him in some in some ways. From from the liberal, the new left understanding of fascism, Vance is much more hillbilly. Um, you know, yeah, interim, Vance is that uh,
1: country, the Vance is that country folk, everyman type right. of candidate. Even even and though if you like, he's not really that, but he's he is the kind of the he speaks southern yeah, he's right. the he persona speaks. Of
3: that. He speaks. He speaks hillbilly, and then you have Gates, who's sort of like that. Sort of he, he he's on Twitch and he's new and current and Gates and is whatever, kind of the
1: edge. Right? Gates is kind of the edge lordy guy. Like he's 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 the uh, Republican version of what the Mises Caucus is attempting to be with, like being edgy and stuff, like with the uh, New Hampshire Twitter posts and stuff like that. Um, did so, you see the? Did you see the video where Gates said something about ugly chicks and and the the girl who was interviewing him said, don't you think that'll uh, offend people? And he said, and? <laughs> yeah, like, So?
2: Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I you know, Matt Gates always struck me as kind of like the, the, the playboy kind of dumb jock kind of, you know, archetype. And that's kind of what he's playing up to. He was, he was the, the popular kid in school and he doesn't, he doesn't know what it's like to ever lose anything. So, it's like, all right, whatever. I don't, I don't really have anything against the guy. I just don't, I don't find his style of communication to be the least bit like attractive.
3: You know, what I'm my point here is, my point here is the thing that, th- that connects all three is is Peter Thiel, right? So Thiel's funding, ma- massively funding and and ma- you know, managing or whatever that the you know, their their campaigns. Peter Thiel was involved in. <laughs> yeah. Well, hang on. So. But if you look at them, let's say, as investment companies, they, you take each one of them as almost a, its own separate enterprise, right? Okay. He's backing three different ver- visions and versions of a new populist message, and I think it's almost to say playing the field and saying which one wins. Maybe all three will win, but which one wins and which one gets the most support? And then it's like then you're going to mediate desire through that through that uh, through that model, right? Who's a more powerful model going forward for this more progressive? post-Trump uh, Republican Party or Republican message, and then you elevate that that one, right? Maybe it's gonna be Vance, maybe it's gonna be Masters, maybe it'll be Gates, who knows? Um, maybe it'll be all three, right? Where, where, is Vance,
2: where is Vance running? I'm sorry, I, I, I know the name, but I don't know okay, where he's right. running. I don't know. Ohio, so. He's in Ohio. Ohio, okay, yeah, okay. Um, well, and then you have uh, Gates is in Florida, right?
3: something like no i don't know if he's is he in new york is he one of the no
1: no he might be in florida i can't
2: remember i'll look it up because like what i'm what i'm trying to piece together here is because what you're saying to me right now it's making me think that what is actually being done is um yeah florida uh, florida that's what i thought okay so it, it, it appears to me what what we're seeing between J.D. Vance and Ohio, um, you have Matt Gates in Florida, and then you have Blake Masters in Arizona. I think what you're you're getting regional archetypes, right? So like Florida is kind of like this playboy's paradise, right? Matt Gates kind of fits into that persona of the playboy, right? Even with the even with the bad publicity that came out about him and the women. And I know it's all BS. Like that was all like found to be a bunch of BS rumors and, you know, uh there was nothing there. But but I know, I know how Ohio is, right? Driving truck, I've been to Ohio several times. I mean, Ohio is just as country as Oklahoma, right? Justin would fit in well in Ohio. Like even it would be like no change for him. Those those guys are all deer hunters and that's what they do. And so if you have like kind of the hillbilly type up in Ohio, that, that, that speaks their language. Arizona is a little bit of a tougher catch because Arizona doesn't have its own kind of culture thing going on. Arizona is kind of a mishmash of all kinds of things happening all at the same time. Um, you you have like the um, like kind of the Spanish Americans like you would get out in New Mexico. Um, you would have like California rejects. I moved to Arizona. Like um, what's his name uh, that uh, had had that podcast uh, that Matt was on. Uh, I can't think of his name. But, oh, Jason Stapleton. There you go. Yeah, the California rejects like Stapleton. Um, and then you would have. Uh, you know, I, I, I have friends that live in Arizona. It's not, there's not really a identifiable culture. Like, if you went to Oklahoma or Texas or Florida or Ohio, you kind of have this identifiable culture. So, Blake Masters is trying to, is kind of in a position where he's got to play all things to all people, which is kind of an interesting place to be in. And Yeah,
3: um, but based on the articles, too, is that he comes from, I mean, I think he talks country club. If you think that bands talks hillbilly and Gates t- talks, you know, Florida. Florida, Florida,
2: Florida, party. Yeah, no, I do. What, oh, what I'm saying. He talks yeah, bro.
3: Um, yeah, um, yeah, I'm not
2: insulting the guys. I'm saying what I think is happening is what we're seeing are these these archetypes that are being popped up. And they're trying to be the, the representative of the ever man of that region uh, you know, for that senator seat. So you get the J.D. Vance. I think Blake Masters has a lot more on his on his plate. As far as that goes, because there's not like this identifiable culture in Arizona. So it can be very difficult. So I think maybe out of all three of them, Masters may be the most. The one that's most vulnerable being himself Mm and not putting on an act. Right. I would think that because it's, it's very hard to narrow down like what is it that the people in arizona will want and you see you know carrie lake got is real popular there and so i think blake masters kind of riding that coattail and, and being in that zone is is actually good for him and just staying as close to the original blake masters and being his original self and uh, being authentic is is actually a good move for him mm.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, like Lewis says. Like, Masters kind of seems like he's the most genuine. Like when you genuine,
2: thank you, sir. That was the word I was trying to say that I couldn't think of. When you see the things <laughs>
1: that he's written about and talked about for like since he was in college, when he was—I mean, I think he started really getting involved in this stuff when he was like 19 years old, or maybe even younger than that. Uh, he's been he's been doing this stuff for a while, and he's been he's been involved with with Peter Thiel for a while as well. Uh, so like, there's been a there's been a plan, but yeah, he does seem like the most genuine like he he talks about the stuff that he talked about in the past and like how his um you know we've we've gone through similar changes uh over the last several years you know with with some of the the post-libertarian ideas of stuff and, and stuff like that like you know a lot of us uh thought in a certain way and then as we've seen the world kind of devolve and and covid insanity take place and everything that came out of that and, and then just the continued the continuous push from the progressive left to uh take everything to the most insanely radical point that you possibly can we've we've also kind of changed our opinions on some stuff like when you you know i was i was never open borders per se but i was like maybe we can make this a little less restrictive maybe it doesn't have to be uh, you know we don't have to have ICE and the Department of Homeland Security running around and throwing people in cages and all this stuff. and I still don't necessarily support the cages, but at the same time, when you look at what's going on across all of Europe with uh, mass migration of uh, of Middle Eastern immigrants and stuff like that and, and also same thing is going on in a lot of the big cities here in the United States that are the, uh, the you know the safe havens or whatever. There's something to be said for the damage that that does to a culture and a society. And so maybe we should be a lot more uh, close borders and a lot stricter on immigration. And you know, maybe maybe that's not a good idea. Uh, I mean, so, the, only you know,
3: advantage, the only advantage you have from South Americans in general, and I'll say just in general, is they're, they're generally Catholic, right? Like Roman, Roman Catholicism was pretty heavily steeped in South and Central America. So that does help a little bit. And if you're going to contrast, let's say, Um, Muslims and Africans going into Europe versus South Americans flooding into uh, the Americas. At least there's a commonality of religious backgrounds or or principles, um, which has always seemed to more or less help with with amalgamation. Over, I mean, historically, now we're living in a secular world, which I mean, crapshoot that, right? Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the the fundamental problem. I think this is kind of what's hitting home. And politicians who are winning now are the ones who are pointing out consequence, um, you know with Maloney in, in Italy and um, the guys who won in Sweden and, uh, and a few other populist right movements in, in, in Europe, they're basically just running on consequence, saying, "These things have happened. these are, these things, these are the policies that were pushed and we, that we accepted, and now we're living in this, and this has got, and this is bad. And, and people can follow that progression to understand that, okay, this is bad, and at least these people are gonna, are, are 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 telling the truth about it. Um, you know, this is where Putin has a lot of strength in his speeches. That it's like, where where's the lie? <laughs> now, I think Putin's a, uh, an evil uh, uh, lying actor. I don't think he's an honest human being. At the same time, he can now say truthful things like <coughs> the West because the West has played themselves out to a position where he can easily just go, "Well, look at this stuff." Like you did this, 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 and this, and and he's not lying, right? Right. (laughs) You know, and and that gives him an amazing amount of strength, um, because people respond to the truth, and and we've gotten to a point. The West has gotten to the point where our consequences have caught up to us, and we can't brush it under under the rug anymore or wish it away. And even the media can't even cover this stuff up anymore. So it's gotten to a, a critical mass point where we have to start addressing the. The, the, the effects of liberalism up to this point you know, of what 30 40 years of, of uh, unrepentant liberalism has with no counterbalances led to us led us to this you
1: know? well and that's where the the teal back candidates kind of have the upper hand is they are willing to stand up there with their actual campaign platforms and say the things that the squishy like middle of the road um, you know the speed limit conservatives won't say they're they're willing to go up there and actually like push back against that stuff and, and bring honesty to to their talking points. But nobody nobody wants to hear the well, maybe we could just dial back the Department of Homeland Security and maybe, you know, we'll start not or we'll stop using the cages as much and we'll we'll start doing these things. Like, no, people people who are living in these in border states that are getting absolutely wrecked by immigrants coming across just literally by the thousands, they don't want you to talk about reforming the Department of Homeland Security and taking down the cages. They want to know how you're going to actually secure the border and stop this complete devastation that's happening. So you can't be squishy on that stuff. You have to have a strong message. And that's what these guys are doing. Like they're and it's what the masters, Vance, Gates, the teal back candidates. It's what the new the new right type of approach is taking. Is it it has to be it has to be bolded. You have to actually say things with substance. Otherwise, you're just going to keep getting steamrolled by progressivism. Not because progressivism has any substance, but because they're the loudest and they're the most annoying. And so people are getting bombarded with that consistently. And the more people are bombarded with it. The more they just kind of go with
2: it. So. Well, they're speak- with it because they have the momentum. I mean, you gotta you gotta realize that progressivism has been in charge of the United States political system since the '20s. So it, you're not you're you're not standing up against an idle object. You're standing up against a moving entity that has it's the momentum on its side, and it's been bulldozing everything in its way for the last hundred years
3: yeah, yeah, I think that speaks to your point, Tommy, is that you know the I think the chief problem of libertarian libertarian candidates is libertarian makes a lot of sense if you've read the material or if you're in if you've been introduced to it and you at least have a working knowledge of it um, for the average person who has no working knowledge of Mises who's never read Rothbard who and is not going to. Um, they need a message that is very cut and dry that's very that's very presentable they don't want to hear about a, about econ 101 they want to hear like how how are you you know inflation's bad fix that and you go okay we're gonna do that right, right. like yeah. uh you know immigration is is destroying my town do something with that okay do it right they don't need to hear about the nap they don't need to hear about your philosophical musings right now it's like we're we're at war and, and I've said this on the podcast many many times is that there's like peacetime talks and peacetime ideas and wartime ideas and we're we're, we're literally in, a, in some sort of information existential fifth generation well well it was a laws of war um and if you're not if you're not taking actual praxis kind of actions or speaking in a language that people go okay brass tacks do mm-hmm. something then you know piss more fucking rope like i mm-hmm. I I could I, I could give a shit about what Rothbard has to say about this? Like what's the what's the existential, you know, what's the libertarian uh you know answer mm. to to age of consent laws? Fuck you, man. I like, I have to worry about my kid turning into being turned into a zipper chest. Like no. <laughs> like, yeah. no when, like No.
2: One like that, the... insult. that is like the best insult that's come out all year. Like
3: <laughs> it's a good I like
1: using it. <laughs> well, and like the
2: as much as I hate to
1: say it, like the The war in Syria stuff and the bombing brown kids stuff like I get it. That stuff's terrible. The average American voter could not give a single solitary shit about that. They are way more worried about gas is five fifty a gallon. And I can't afford to put food on the table because my grocery bill this year is double what it was last year. And also there's a chance I might get laid off from my job because, you know, everybody is feeling the pinch and we don't know how long you know this is going to be proof
3: viable of that the proof of that is the media is basically uh sounding the alarm of, of thermonuclear war and everyone's like look man i'd love to care but i i got bills man Like it's like the, the, the armageddon we might all die yeah yeah okay cool but i mean if gas prices it,
2: dude. if we're all dead then i don't have to pay my bills <laughs> right,
3: right
1: it's like i gotta i you know Okay, cool. World War is coming. Until it happens, I still gotta make a mortgage payment. Like mm-hmm. what are what are you doing to help me like you know
2: not well, go well, home? Have
3: you seen the price of meat lately? Like <laughs> right? Yes.
2: And, and I'm I'm one of those because Beatrix is she cooks almost everything we eat. Like I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of the food we eat in this house, she's cooking. Is it's very rare she ever asked me to cook anything. Um mm-hmm. And usually it's just like Creole or Cajun because that's my background. So I can do that more than she can. And uh, and so I go to the grocery store. I get off work. I go to the grocery store. I get our food for the night because she wants to decide the day of. This is what we're going to eat tonight. So I go to the grocery store. I pick up whatever she needs. I come home. I'm, I'm watching. I've watched just in the last. I, I came home and started working local in June of 21. Right. So now we're in October of 22. So just over a year, I've been home and I've gone from spending $30 a day at the grocery store to almost $80 a day at the grocery store. Like that's real. That's a real deal, you know. And I grow things here that I don't have to buy, you know. So I have, you know, different types of vegetables growing. I have eggs. I have my chickens, my ducks. I have. Like I have a stocked pond in the back. If I want fish, I can go catch fish. Like, so there's, the reality is that this is hurting people. And so when you have people like a Masters or a JD Vance that are able to communicate on the level of the everyday person that is seeing the immigration and how the immigration is affecting them and yada, 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 then that, that connects and, and they're able to connect and the, the progressives aren't able to connect because, as we know, because we've read the progressive era of Bob Rothbard, we've studied what was ushered in, that the progressives were always on the side of the corporations, that this isn't just like some, some turn that happened in the 21st century that the corporations and the progressives got in bed together. No, this has always been a thing. And now it's just in your face because it's like, what can you do about it? The ties are already so deeply ingrained that you, how are you going to stop it? And if you try to stop it by voting for a master's, well, then you're a fascist, you know, because. <coughs> well, I think because of the wrong word, <coughs> but what I would say to that is we it it is empirical on people like. Like Justin, you, Jason, and myself, to stay in touch with the the details about how you know uh creating bubbles does affect the economy and how it affects inflation and how these things happen and and, and that it is up to us to interpret these laws that come down these uh, from Mises and from Rothbard, and as Jason said, don't expect every person to read Mises and rothbard That's not their job. They shouldn't. Like, this is a very niche subject for a very niche people that are willing to take on. And some of the stuff I read, I hate that I'm reading it. I'm like, geez, man, this is a chore. Why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing it because I feel like I have a responsibility. Now, my responsibility ultimately with my podcast is not to the audience, unfortunately. Sorry, audience. I love you people. But it's to my children. I do this as kind of a a, a public record of my thoughts and my my um, kind of journey through these things that interest me. And so when you see these these people that pop up like a masters and and I'm, I'm looking at them and I'm going, OK, this guy understands Austrian economics like he's read you know, Mises. He's read Rothbard. He he gets like the what what the what the details are of it. I want to hear what his solutions are. And you hear people like though Bishop or Jeff Dice come out and say, yeah, this guy's a real deal. Then it's like, all right, you have my attention now. I want you to show me how you're going to move forward. And these what what the thing that we've always known as we've studied Mises and Rothbard, is these ideas are not friendly to government. They are not government friendly. They are undercutting the government's power. They are undercutting the um, ability for the government to uh, create an oligarchy in which they can push the, the consumers down the road into their little bubbles and into their pods and eating bugs, right? This is the goal of the Austrian economic school is to undercut the power and the dynamics of the government, and so we, when we see a master's come down, and we see all these articles that are attacking him, all this, all this, uh, all these people attacking him, we have to understand that they are attacking the very thing that would make us more sustainable, more free, and more able to take better care of our families. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just you I mentioned just saw- the.
1: Uh, I was going to say, you mentioned the corporations.
2: Though. I mentioned a whole lot there.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wanted to specifically hit on the corporations. Like, that's one of the things that you see come out of the left all the time is that they are constantly talking about uh, corporate greed and all of this stuff. But then, at the same time, if you look at who these corporations are donating all of their money to in the elections, it, it's not Republican candidates. It's not so, Ron Paul.
2: all. Uh, so when you're yeah, talking, Mitt so Romney when talking and about and Barack Obama got all the money, right? Yeah. So when
1: yeah when you're talking about corporate greed um the people who are you know decrying how terrible corporate greed are are the ones who are benefiting the most from that corporate greed so like don't you know that's and and that's the kind of stuff that like the masters and the teals like you're seeing they have to uh mobilize against them because because they're bringing it up like they're bringing that stuff to the forefront like you see where our money's coming from and you like now go look where their money's coming from, and and that's where, um, it kind of starts to, at least for, the, more normy type of Democrats, like they're starting to to look at this and say, okay, number one, the the woke mob is psychotic, and a lot of just like regular Democrats are finding themselves not aligned with that anymore, and also. Uh, the kind of the curtains getting pulled back more and more like Trump for whatever you think about him. That was something that he did well was he kind of pulled the curtain back a little, little by little on a lot of this stuff that's been going on for, for a very long time. And people are like, Oh shit. Um, I'd never, I never would have thought about that. So there, there, are some interesting dynamics that are getting played out with the way the different sides are approaching this, uh,
3: Jason, you had something you were gonna. Yeah, I, I forget what I was gonna say, but, but there's a off to that. Jordan Peterson once had an open question of well, when does the left go too far, and my personal response to that is when they start attacking, when they start targeting children. Um, there's a biological thing that happens to parents. I think anyone who's a half half-assed decent parent, mm-hmm. uh, I remember like an hour after my daughter was born, and they you know brought her from the delivery room uh, to uh, to the bed to the nursing bed. And I felt my body change. Like I felt a biological change in me where I started checking out my sixes and nines and realized that if anyone came aggressively towards my wife or my child at that moment, I would, I could take their life. Like, you know, you're, you're, you get that jack kind of feeling. feeling. Um, and, you know, when you start to tar- if if anyone starts to target my child or if I feel my child is in danger because of your bullshit policies, now I'm your enemy. And I don't, and I think that, even if you're dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, blue-pilled, progressive, et cetera, et cetera, there's still that operating in the back of your head. So even if it's not on the forefront of you, it's somewhere in the back of you, uh, working on you, going. Some is, there's alarm bells going on, You know, it's like how anxiety really isn't a, isn't a problem. It's it's just telling that, that there is a problem. <laughs> so, it, so, I, this is where they when they start targeting kids and they and they start making it, uh, you know. The transgender thing, the puberty blocker thing, the locking kids away for two years and keeping them out of school thing, school, uh, child suicide rates are up, uh, all those things, kids, 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 that's when you lose <coughs> people completely. And if they, if they can attach you to the problem of their children, the fuck, um, in whatever way possible. And I think that's what's happening now with, with the Democratic Party is that they've gone that one step or progressive whatever, right? And Democrats are part of that thing they stepped over that line and you know, I think with, with right wingers we're a bit more aggressive about it uh, because we don't have anything to politically to lose on that front. But I think even just uh, to speak to your point, I think even like middle of the road uh, or, you know uh, let's say, you know, not completely drank all the Kool-Aid progressive types are, are backing out and going, okay, I'm not injecting my kid with five, with five shots of God knows what. You know, there's, uh, I'm not taking my kid out of school for another two years. I'm, all that stuff is building up. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard to ignore now. It's on your doorstep. It's in your home. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucked up. Uh, and, and I think that's the, the, again, going back to consequences. I think this is 2024 can be really an election of, of, you know, of uh, of consequence. And I think that's, that's the way. If there's a if there's a pathway for right wingers to win, and 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 not just win an election, but start to actually uh, change the whole system and and what's operating inside that system, that's the kind of thing they're going to have to keep re you know, uh, uh, be energizing people on is that th- they're coming for your kids like this is this is this is a, this is a war for your children, and and that's a I think a more powerful message than you know econ something or you know war in ukraine so
1: well i mean that's how that's how yunkin won in virginia like he he ran on he ran on crt in schools and he ran on all of the lockdown stuff and like that that was what was successful like you have to be able to to tailor your message to hit people where where they're already being hit like it's um politics is politics is a game it's it's a game of chess it's a game of uh whatever you want to whatever you know sports analogy you want to play but the the left has been punching and the right has spent the last 30 years just trying to block and and now you see like the masters and and these types of candidates and these are the counter punches the it's it's time to stop blocking and it's it's time to hit back and and you don't do that by by being squishy in the middle of the road?
2: The uh, Trump, Trump used to say something whenever uh, he would be talking to his audience um, and he would say, they're not after me, they're after you. Like they got, to, they want to get me out of the way so that they can get to you, so that they can hurt you. And he was talking to the electors um, and, and, and the citizens that were coming to his rallies, that, that it was really about them. And this is something I said to Monica Perez whenever uh, last show I did with her was ESG is not about the corporations. It's about you. It's about controlling you. It's about getting you in line. And, um, you know, I I think after I said that to her, she was like, oh, shit, I now I see it. You know what I'm saying? But it it took somebody pointing it out. Like, it's not about the corporations; It's about you. And then you, you have this and i'm not going to go down this esg rabbit hole because i can do that for hours as everybody knows but john taylor gatto had told us years ago that the education system was broken that it was not intended to to educate children and to play upon those children's strengths it was intended to structure those children into a good cog in the wheel for the state right and in the in the Communist Manifesto, one of the major tenets of the Communist Manifesto was taking control of the education system and destroying the families, right? Like we're we're witnessing something that is coming to fruition. So whenever you're you're seeing like a young kid and you see the revolt of the parents and saying, No, no more of this, you the reason they're in so insulted. The reason that they throw all the shade at a Blake Masters or a Matt Gates or a J.D. Vance, it's not because of J.D. Vance or Blake Masters. It's because they're standing there. You're representing. They're actually representing you. They're actually speaking on your behalf saying, yeah, we're not going to have this anymore. You're not going to continue to do this. You've been brainwashing and destroying children for a hundred years. No more. You're not going to do it. You, you've crossed the line. Right? I don't care if that that teacher's boobs and fucking Canada were prosthetic or a, a novelty. I don't care. It doesn't matter. That person should not be in the classroom with high schoolers. And bravo to all those high school boys that made fun of that dude. Because he should have been made fun of. He should have been mocked. And ridiculed and thrown out on the streets because he had no place in the classroom teaching children. And so when, when they're going after Blake Masters and they're going after JD Vance and they're going after Matt Gates, they're coming after you. It's because these people are, as Michael Malice so well put, and I don't listen to a whole lot of Michael Malice, but he he said it perfectly when he was describing Trump. They thought Trump was the river, but he was the dam, right? And as soon as they got Trump out of the way, the people went crazy, right? And so they're coming after you and they have to move these people out of the way to get to you by destroying these people. It's opening them up, if, especially if they can get you to believe that these people, whether whether it's a Gates or a Vance or a Masters, if they can get you to believe that these people are degenerates in some way shape or form then they can then you will allow them to continue to force their ge- degeneracy onto your children because they want your kids and they don't want your kids because they love them they want your kids because they hate you
3: yeah i mean perfectly well what i mean i think that's if there's anything to run on and again that biological impetus that happens with all parents and i think even the shitty ones um is there's a protectionist vibe there's there's something that activates in you and if you can tap into that and i mean I'm, i we can talk about it almost callously but i'm not trying to be cynical about it but because it is a real and present danger uh i think about it every damn day like it's it's always on my mind right i got a two-year-old daughter you know right that's right into the back of my head all the freaking time yeah. um and I, it, I have a three-year-old I, granddaughter yeah you know
2: what what does that mean? Like, what does it mean for her? You
3: know? Yeah. And if you give me a politician, a political candidate in front of me who said, "I'm going to make sure that the things that you're worried about don't affect her," I'm going to vote for you. And I don't vote, <laughs> but but right. you know, I, I'm going to throw support behind you, regardless of anything else you say. Like, I mean, I could look down on everything, uh, every other thing you stand for, and go, I disagree with everything else. But you know what? That thing, we're going to go with that, uh, and hope and and pray to God that that actually works out because. Because because the the uh, the uh, the other option is zipper chest kids uh, and and God knows what else and, and psychological terror. terror. So like that, you know,
1: Trey Trey posted this uh, same quote. When we win, do not forget that these people want you broke, dead, your kids raped and brainwashed, and they think it's funny. I, I mean, that's
2: oh, well, that's a positive message. Thanks, Sam, <laughs> <laughs> but that's it like
1: that's when you start looking at, like, when you look at masters, when you look at like Maloney in Italy, and what was the the guy that ran against uh, the guy that ran against Macron in France? The there are a number of like populist right candidates in Sweden and Germany. Uh, Bolsonaro is that his name? The guy in uh, Brazil. Brazil, yeah. Like when you look at these candidates and. All they can do is try to tell you how these are fascists and you look at what these people actually stand for, what they're saying, what they've, what they've been saying for like, like I, look, I look at Maloney going back to mid early to mid nineties and the things she's been doing since she was literally 15 years old. If that's fascism. Okay. Like I'll, I'll be a fascist if that's fascism. Like if what Blake masters is selling, if that's fascism. Okay. <coughs> I'll be a fascist. Like, because that's, that is the better alternative, and there are people who are waking up to that, who are looking at it, and who are like, who have realized that if you do not completely and perfectly align with everything that the left says to a T, stay in lockstep with them every every step of the way, that you will be declared a, a Nazi or a fascist or the enemy. There are a lot of people who are waking up to that and just saying, "All right, well, fuck it then. I'll be I'll be a Nazi if that's what it's going. If that's what it is, then I'll be a Nazi. I'll be a fascist. I'll be your enemy." Because you do not represent me,
3: right? All right, both. I gotta as... jump up. Oh,
1: yeah, Jason's gotta go. Let's uh, and and we're kind of in a good, good wrapping spot, sort of. So, Jason, you want to give some uh, closing thoughts before you roll out of here?
3: Uh, I mean, we could keep it. I I feel like this is uh, this, this is just part two of a of a ten part series, really. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're in very interesting, confusing, dangerous, and Hopeful times, uh, all all at the same time. Um, you know, uh, in the last, in the first part of it, I said, you know, I'm moving away from politics, material politics in general, and moving towards more of an orthodox framework, uh, where where all I really want to think and, and and operate in the world is through an orthodox lens. Um, I, I still think that's overall a positive message for most people. They, the thing is, it's not operative. Um, so, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, but yeah, I think these convers- conversational things are, are always important. Uh, it, it, the, the foundational thing is that people have got to realize that they're not alone, that they're not crazy. Kanye thing is t- telling people, "You're not crazy, man. You're 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 seeing things as they are, or you're starting to see things as they are." And the one of the things that these, I think that these kind of conversations can do is is create that desire for people that will manifest itself. Uh, And saying that yeah we need something better than this uh because the way this is this is this is garbage and it's not even serving the people that that it says that's going to serve the most you know so
1: tell me what you got
2: man i'm i'm on board with jason if if somebody's protecting kids like all right you're, you're good with me man because i I know a lot of people with a lot of young kids. I have a granddaughter. I have five children of my own, but they're all grown at this point in time and raising hell as they should be. And because they're in their twenties, and that's what you do in your twenties—you raise hell. Um, but you know, yeah, if, if I'm if I'm if I'm getting a message and somebody, the only thing that I agree with them on is like, yeah, we're going to protect children. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's good with me.
1: One, like you talked about the reason that you do your show and stuff is is for your kids and that's i know I'm for jason you. that's that's a lot of why jason does his for me that's also a lot of reason why i, why I do mine because yeah. then my kids are in the house mm-hmm. not right the second typically though they're here like a lot of times my son will be sitting in that chair right there like listening to me talk about this stuff mm-hmm. and he hears all of it then for as much of a dumbass as he is, he actually retains some of this stuff. And like this is stuff that engages him and that he he kinda latches on to. That's the same for same for both of the girls. They we talk about this stuff regularly and they latch onto it. And yep. and they take it with them. I mean and they're, you know, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. They're like they're getting it now. So that's the reason, like that's the reason we do this is so that our kids are empowered to to go to their schools and to go to their jobs and to go out in the world and to say, no, <laughs> this is bullshit. I'm no. not doing this. Yeah. So, for real. I appreciate both of you and everything y'all do. Um,
2: Thanks for having me on. man. Yeah. I this really, has been no, pretty, excellent, pleasure.
1: excellent conversation once again. And and as Jason said, we could, we could probably turn this into a, just a re- revolving series every, every month or so. But yeah, it's uh, this was really good. I really appreciate it. Appreciate everybody in the chat who was, Great conversations going on in the chat. Um, tune in on Tuesday night. I will be talking with Carlos, uh, Jonathan Hemingway, and Trey. And we are going to talk sports and how sports kind of ties into society. So, guys,
0: thanks again. This has been great.
2: Thanks, man. Ciao, bud.
0: Don't forget to head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check out our longest and most favorite sponsor, Carlos, Vanessa Ablor and Paloma Verde CBD get all of your CBD needs and you get 10% off your order of $75 or more plus anything over $75 is free shipping. So head over to palomaverdecbd.com to get all your CBD needs. Have a good week everybody.